0: What's up, everyone? It's your host, Thomas Koppelman, and this is the Long Game Podcast, a podcast about turning passions into purpose. In each episode, you'll hear highly motivated individuals share their stories of pursuing their passions, taking control of their destiny, and ultimately living their purpose, leaving you inspired to follow their lead. Thomas Koppelman is a financial advisor at RLS Wealth. All opinions expressed by Thomas and his podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of RLS Wealth. This podcast is for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes. It should not be considered advice. Consult your financial advisor, tax, legal, and any other advisors you have before making any decisions regarding your financial plan. Well, good afternoon and welcome, everybody. We're back for another episode of the Long Game Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Kopelman, and today I'm joined by Paul Jorgensen. Thanks for joining me today, man. Thanks, Thomas. Awesome to be here. Yeah. So to give a little bit of background information on Paul, so Paul's a professional basketball player who most recently played in Spain last year. Um, Previous to that and how we know each other, he went to Butler and was a basketball player there, ended up being the sixth man of the year in the big East his senior year. And now kind of due to COVID waiting to get that next contract, but still pursuing the professional basketball dream. So um, again, thanks for, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's been uh, an interesting
1: year with COVID of course obviously everyone's going through some sort of struggle but for me as a professional professional basketball over uh, player overseas uh it's it's really weird because obviously you have agents negotiating contracts for you and so they're the people doing the work in a different you know side of the water and you're kind of stuck here just hoping and praying that they're doing their job uh, and it's hard right now too because a lot of countries can't get you over with visas and paperwork and all that extra, you know, good stuff. So it, it's been a definitely a weird time.
0: Yeah, so mm-hmm. I mean, for you, especially COVID has kind of been a, a shake up. Like, yeah. how how have you? I mean, let's just get into that. Like, how have you gotten through that this year? You know, what has been your mindset? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, I've really tried to take these months at home, uh, and not playing to kind of work on myself, I'm really starting to pick up second language in Spanish. Uh, I was in Spain last year. So I started to really start studying I basically only listen to Spanish music now which is crazy enough um, <laughs> I don't play any more video games to be honest I left them in Spain uh, so I don't have any Xbox places so I've been kind of like a self-improvement uh, type deal where I'm working out a lot and staying fit um trying to get into some different areas of of things like broadcasting and looking at some other ways that I can do uh, after basketball once yeah. once it's done so it's been a productive time but I definitely want to get back to normal for sure
0: yeah do you feel like your game's still there?
1: Uh, basketball, yeah, (laughs) so it's it's really tricky because I usually uh peak like the end of the summer, and then right before the season, that's when I'm like in the best shape. So I did that this year, thinking I'd be in Europe like late August, September, and I didn't. So then I kind of got just like not really motivated for a month, took it easy, got out of shape, then I peaked again, Mm. and now I'm kind of Getting trying to get back, but it's tricky, man, because you never know when your your next job is. So uh, right now, I'm okay. I can shoot threes at least, so I can, I can do that. <laughs> you can
0: spot up in the corner and get called up.
1: I can go corner to corner and shoot threes right now, no problem. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, that's fair, but the, yeah. I mean, I think that's a really interesting point because. I mean for basketball you have your season and Mm -hmm. during the season yes you try to get better and you stay in shape and you work on your body but it's really maintenance and injury like trying to stay out of injuries but then the off season is like your actual time to work on your game you have six months that's pretty much where you get so much better than you were at last year Mm -hmm. and I remember going through that but I mean it feels like a long time like you're like you're like waiting for a game and open gyms are kind of fun but like I can't imagine this year for players going through it of like it almost everything feels like an open gym, like For the motivation sure. of the team. And I, I, I guess you could actually probably relate to that. I mean, I know overseas there's a good amount of people, yeah. but it still has to be a little bit of different coming from a sold out Hinkle House against Villanova yeah. to then, you know, you got a Tuesday night yeah. game against growing men and you're kind of like, yeah. maybe there's not a ton of people there. <laughs> I and mean, that, that's, I mean, but it's different. I mean, understanding how to motivate yourself has gotta be something that is one of the hardest changes from going from fans to a lot of it is internal into the team.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's a great point because a lot of people don't realize that, you know, overseas basketball isn't as glamorous as as you think, you know, coming from Butler, like you said, we were playing in front of 10,000 people, Fox Sports won every night. Um, and it was a lot easier to get up for games and keep yourself motivated like that. So when you go over there, you're by yourself, you kind of got to find yourself in a way and stay self-motivated. And I think that's really going to help me uh, in other areas of life after basketball. And just like a, you know, a normal job or a different career, like you have to find ways to motivate yourself and always compete. You know, I was competing with myself, whether I needed to, you know, stay in better shape or something, but always try to compete with yourself and just internal motivation was huge. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I think that is a good point. I I think of all the successful people I know, Mm -hmm. that's one attribute they have is that Mm -hmm. they don't need somebody else to compete with. It's like, it's a game with yourself and, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to find the balance between being too critical on yourself but if you can find that right spot where like you're motivating like here's where I want to get to and I don't care where anybody else is at but this is where I know I can get to and you know you give yourself five years or whatever you can I mean you can actually get to that place
1: yeah absolutely I mean that's a great point I look at a lot of the great guys I play with and you know their first their biggest competition like you said is themselves of course they they have their peers and they have their other people who are playing and they look at them for know what what their uh pick pick up parts of their games and whatnot but overall like at least for me in my like i gain more happiness in my basketball game and my life when i stop comparing myself to other people Mm -hmm. you know i was like listen i'm not gonna jump out of the gym i can't do that i'm not gonna be the fastest guy but like if i can every day control what i can control day by day and good or bad result, I'll be happy with that outcome. Yeah. And that's, I live with that, you know? So. And I
0: think when you talk about basketball, I mean, there's, there's a the people that can jump out of the gym and that dunk, and you can feel how the gym changes yeah. around you, but you can do that same thing through your skill set. I mean, yeah. you pull up in transition from the volleyball line, yeah, yeah. you hit a three in a big game yeah. that gets the crowd going just as much as an alley-oop does. And I so right. yeah. you got to find the abilities that you have and use that to create that momentum as well.
1: Exactly. I guess there's like different ways to skin a cat, like my dad always said, so some guy can do this another guy can do that but just find your own you know most valuable asset and that's in basketball or in life and just value that and emphasize it and make it known to everybody
0: yeah and you, i mean you definitely took that to heart you found basketball is the thing that you were the yeah, best at and you went for sure head down in it and i, I think that again the, a lot of the successful people you see in life are the people that became obsessed with one thing Absolutely. and they went in a hundred percent every day for a long time and then you end up being where you're at now yeah well you
1: know this because you play high level basketball as well but you know in high school a lot of the kids pick one sport and then you know you kind of lock in on that so i played baseball and football my freshman year in high school and i realized i'm gonna have to pick one if i want to play at a high level and so when i pick basketball I, I locked in and i kind of just made it every day a goal to get better and better and eventually I saw kids who were better than me, start not becoming better than me. And I was mm-hmm. just slowly, gradually gaining my you know, way up. So just locking in on that goal and yeah.
0: Yeah, I think when in Basel, when you're young, it kind of athleticism and talent can, oh, for can sure. win. For sure. But as time goes on, like the guys that you see in the NBA that are still around, I mean, jj reddick and chris paul and some 100%. of these older guys it's like yeah. they were there i mean they're good there were guys that were better than them but they're there because they put in the work continually and they didn't get bored with putting in the work exactly there's a story
1: it's a really cool kobe story where like he was working out at a 5 a.m and he shot like a thousand uh mid post fadeaway jumpers
0: this like, is the alan stein story is that the last podcast yeah, no no uh, he didn't go into deep into it but that's where i heard the story yeah, from yeah, yeah, from
1: he saw this so i heard that too and then so for me, like I have trouble sometimes doing the same shot, like 50 times. And I, that's one of the biggest things is to lock in over like a lot of reps and repetitions, mm-hmm. but that's a hard thing. And for kids today, everyone wants to go on the next thing. So just do two reps, go next thing. The next best thing is mm-hmm. always like what they think about, but sometimes just lock in on one thing and just be so good at that. And that's what I think would be a good
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. So I I coached a fifth grade basketball team last year, coached seventh grade team this year. And last year, one of the kids' dads came up to us and was like, his kid was, you know, not one of the best players in play and He was like, you know, I've been studying a lot of Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and James Harden. Like, I feel like my son should be working on these things. And you're just, and you just start to realize like, no, like that's not what you get good at. Like you, yeah, this is how I was in college. I was still playing and I would get in there and I'd get a hundred form shots with one hand a day, close loop. And those are like the differences between you know, good shooters and not, is that they put in mm-hmm. the basic work, not just walk in and take five step back threes and then go play five on five. Like you can't just play the game. You yeah. got to work on the principles of the that's, game.
1: That's a great point. And I think people unfortunately do that too much today where they watch in basketball or <clears throat> somewhere in life that it's almost not realistic to them. For me, my game is, uh, you know, I'm going to shoot threes. I'm going to get pull off. So I'm never going to be overly athletic. I'm going to use pivots and stuff. So I watch a lot of Goran Dragic. Mm -hmm. and you know jj reddick because more andrage gets the lane he'll jump stop he'll pump fake and he'll use both hands he's great he's he's amazing but i can't like i love watching dame lillard and russell westbrook but i'm just not gonna that's not me Mm -hmm. you know so when you say a parent almost said that to you you're nice to me, I would have said you're foolish. Like, go watch, go watch somebody else because that's not what your kids are gonna do. Watch like Doug
0: McDermott or Exactly, yeah. Duncan yeah. Robinson, you know, one of those, you know. So
1: so yeah, exactly.
0: So you started talking about high school a little bit. So before we like really get into this, I think there's a ton of things that you've learned that can translate for people that are not in professional sports, like mm. just business leaders, yeah, or wherever they're at. But before we get there, let's talk a little bit more about your journey. So you grew up New York, right? Mm-hmm. What was it like playing basketball in New York? Were you to, like were you going to Rucker Park and playing yeah. with people or you know?
1: It what was it like uh, it was intimidating. It was super intimidating. Um, you know, I, I went to Rucker Park, went to Dykeman, which is 27, 217 Dykman Street, uh, not the nicest area. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tri-State, which is one forty-fifth in Lenox. And if you guys are familiar with these places, they're not the most, you know, there's it's different when you come in those places. And to be honest, I was probably the only white kid in the whole vicinity of the whole, you know, five, yeah. six block, which is always cool with me. But uh it was cool, it was intimidating. At first, they didn't really give me respect. So at first, everyone was like, Don't give him the ball, he's in the corner, but you gotta take it.
0: And then you get your first shot, you gotta hit yeah. it. And you know you have you, to if hit If you don't it.
1: hit your first shot, you're in trouble. You're <laughs> you're, you're all, all. You're so all. it's pressure, but it was um, it was cool and really shaped me as a player because it made me aggressive, kind of made me fearless. Like, listen, if I miss this shot or if I make a mistake, like, like so what? Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, I've been in these positions already. And I think in life, it's important to put yourself in tough positions where you're not always comfortable. Sometimes where you're going to lose. I've lost more times than I've won when I grew up. Like, kids used to beat me all the time. But that's what builds you up. Just by winning nonstop, you're not going to get any growth. Mm-hmm. So that's what I thought growing up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, that's a, I think yeah. that's a really good point. So then you played EYBL, right?
1: adidas okay you play adidas so for the for the
0: basketball junkies i mean there's there's EYBL, there's an adidas Mm -hmm. league there's under armor and they're all really cool i mean what what was it like then compared to now because i feel like now they're getting flown like on nice jets they get like five pairs of shoes i mean i don't even know how they're still amateurs like when when (laughs) i was a kid we'd be like in our tournaments and you'd sit and watch the 30 minute video before every tournament (laughs) that would say like you cannot accept (laughs) any money blah blah blah. and now it seems like i mean it's a little different
1: that's so funny you said that um it's different. Like we were, I played for New Heights, in New York city. We we're a team based out of Harlem. And, um, I left, I was fortunate enough to leave the state and go see other places growing up. Mm-hmm. My family, you know, we got to go on vacation and stuff, but the kids on my team, most of them never left the Bronx, Harlem, or Brooklyn. So it was different. We flew, we flew, we crammed up these little planes and we, we ate golden corral every single day, <laughs> you know, five <laughs> days straight, which was the best for all of us. We were happy, but we were young. We were happy. And these kids today, I mean, You're right. It's different because it's so much more. The media is bigger and there's more money, but yeah, back then we were just playing having a good time and
0: just really enjoying it's crazy back then you'd hear about like some good players for junior senior year yeah. and like i guess if you're a local or you're playing you might hear people but like now it's like you hear about these kids like <laughs> eighth sure. grade freshman yeah. year like amoni bates like i've been here about I've him here for here like for three or four years it's crazy the media that it brings like it almost like high school basketball is almost bigger than half of the professional sports yeah right it's, now it's,
1: it's unbelievable how much attention these kids get like on social media and stuff like you said growing up you probably the same like you know, the kids in your area, but outside of, you know, your city, or state, you didn't really know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And, but now with everything, it's just so easy to look someone up and, yeah. and it's almost, I think it's too much, but yeah.
0: Yeah. So. I, I mean, I, I could definitely see why it'd be hard. We're going to get to that point next, yeah. but so then EYBL in high school, you end up going to George Washington yep. first. Talk about that experience there. How long were you there? You know, what, mm-hmm. what went through your head? What it help push you to want to you know transfer?
1: Yeah. So I was at GW for two years. Um, it was a great school, uh, Washington, D.C., Atlantic 10 Conference. So it was good basketball, good education. You, let, like, you led all
0: minutes football. for the – you didn't start, but you let all mm. minutes at your team for the bench, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: So I didn't start. So you were playing. I was playing. Like my freshman year I, I, freshman year, I played like 11, 12 minutes. As a freshman, I was, I was fine with that. Yeah, it's you know, fine. I was like, listen, as a freshman, I'm getting in. I'm playing well. As a sophomore, I took a big jump. Um, but things just didn't really click there for like play style and – what my coach, my ex-coach wanted to do. And I love basketball so much. And I like, I worked so hard at it that I thought I needed to give myself a better opportunity at like playing and going somewhere where I can at least showcase my talent in basketball. We ran the flex offense, which, you know, yep. and maybe some viewers know, but it was a real tight, you know, not that much space. And for me, I need more space. I need like room to shoot. So it was just a little play style stuff like that. So I decided to make a change.
0: Yeah. So how? You know, talk about actually going through the process of making that yeah. change. So you went from there to how did you interview schools differently the second time? Because I think this is super translatable mm. to people graduating or looking through jobs or trying to find the best job because, you know, for one, every company in every place or you is kind of off you the world. I mean, that's what they yeah. do. They tell you what the best case scenario for you is. You know, you could come in, you could start as a freshman, you get 12 threes up a game, you could become <laughs> this. And then it doesn't happen, doesn't meet expectations. And so like going through that and trying to figure out like, you know, am I unhappy or is it like I need to work harder and get to that point? You know, Mm -hmm. how did you go through that? Because I went through the same process and it was hard.
1: Yeah, it's, it's super hard. It is very difficult. Like you said, your first job or your first scholarship to your school, you're getting promised the world. Mm -hmm. You feel like you're walking in there. No one can touch you. And then once you sign the letter of intent or once you sign that contract you know then it's like reality strikes right and you're you're in it which is fine but you want to be in a good healthy work environment and healthy basketball environment and for me there it wasn't that so when i decided to to leave um like you said i was scared because i didn't know what else i was going to have but i knew the second time around that all the extra bs that they were going to feed me i didn't need it it wouldn't work it wouldn't work for me that Mm -hmm. time like I know what the game is. I know what the coach are gonna say. So I looked at what matters to me, which was a good education, a good school and what what the guys were there. If there was opportunity for me because coaches and I guess employers, you know this better than me, they'll promise you everything, mm-hmm. but I don't, it's hard for me to believe it the second time. So I just took that with a grain of salt and definitely a tough decision.
0: Were you, do you think when you went through this process you were like more serious in the questions you asked and get to know like i i feel like because i remember when i went through this process in high school it was more so just kind of about like what was the school like how was the team going to be like yeah, blah blah yeah, but it wasn't quite as deep as like, like where exactly would you know how the, exactly would the offensive defense run and how would yeah. me as an athlete fit into there or not 100
1: 100 i mean coming out of high school a lot of high school kids and i including myself, you don't understand how much basketball you don't know. Mm -hmm. Like I was playing high school, AAU basketball, we were running motion offense. We were running pick and roll, but we weren't really doing sets. You weren't
0: playing great defenses that you had. And
1: we had no idea. I had no idea. So like, I didn't ask any of those questions my first time, like what kind of offense we run and how this, I just went, all right, I'm going to get the ball in my shoe and we're going to win. Yeah. Same as high school. Yeah. Same as high school. Mm -hmm. But the second time around, like you said, Detailed questions. And I didn't care about the extra fluff like, oh, we're going to get 10 pairs of Nike shoes. We're going to get the new weight room. We're going to get that. Because all those external factors don't really matter when you're on the actual basketball court. If you're not playing, you're sitting on the bench and you get the new shoes, you get the new gear, you got the swag. Yeah, I don't want it. I want to play no matter where that is. So that was I realized too.
0: No, that's actually an amazing point. Cause yeah. I think when I, when I went through the process, that is what I looked, I looked at the no, core. I you did too. At the locker room. I first time I did too. 100%. And, I, and it's so trans, that is so translatable to work because now you see this whole big thing about company culture and you see these big companies that have like ping pong tables and they have these five o'clock yeah. beers and, and all that stuff and all that stuff's great. But if you're unhappy for the rest of the time that you're there, like yeah. the extra things don't really fill up for the difference of what you're missing.
1: That's another good point. I'm not going to name who, but I know someone really close to me who has a really good company culture, Mm -hmm. hate their job. Yeah. And like you said, like all the extra things, they sound nice, but when it comes down to it, is that what really is important? And I don't know, people need to ask themselves what really makes them happy. If that stuff makes you happy and you can live like that. Okay. That's fine. But for me personally, like that stuff didn't, I wanted to play, and I wanted to contribute. That's really what it came down to.
0: Yeah. It, no, I think you made a great point. Because there's the there's the kid that would say, hey, I'll go play at Duke and never play yeah, at I'd sure. rather be a part of that team than go to Butler and play. Credit but, to them.
1: You know what I mean? And really, that's fine. Yeah. But
0: to you, the thing was, I would rather be somewhere where I'm a valuable part of the team uh-huh. and have a place mm. to shine, whether that's, you know, Butler or another middle-of-the-pack team. It might not be Kentucky, mm. but that's okay. You'd rather yeah. be in that situation. A thousand percent.
1: I feel like In my life i've always liked the feeling of being valuable Mm -hmm. in a way so i've never uh taken the traditional route that all the other kids kind of took i guess so for me i was always Mm -hmm. doing something more for myself and i and i like that feeling Mm -hmm. so and i'm always trying to be a good teammate and a good you know uh, role model for everyone watching but you want to play and like you want to be involved in a company you like for example when i'm done playing basketball if i'm working in a business or you know, what not down the line. If I'm not like one of the main guys, you know, doing roles, like, of course you have to build your way up. Right. But that can get boring after a while. And then that's, that thing too. So.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think of what you just talked about, there's a couple points I want to bring about, uh, bring about because you were thinking about, so you're thinking about transferring yeah. and you talked about, you know, a lot of these decisions you have growing up, you made for yourself. And so I think the hard part for people to distinguish is like, is the decision you're making for yourself the best thing for yourself or are you thinking, or are you being selfish mm. you know like I think the balance between that is hard for people so thinking about like mm. oh you know leaving and switching schools or leaving a company like you know they're going to be upset with me at leaving they're going to say it's selfish you know or you didn't mm. work hard enough like how did you you know you know that's all negative self-talk sure. but how did you kind of wrestle with that
1: well right when I decided to leave I got extreme negative like backlash from the people in my university yeah. and the people outside. I remember uh, I decided everyone knew I was unhappy and I decided to leave. I never forget. I walked in the locker room and all my stuff is in trash bags waiting for me to leave. I had shoes, I had clothes, I had like papers. It was just in these two big trash bags. And like, I walk in, they're like, take your, sh- like, take your stuff and leave. Yeah. Like, and like, just buy, you know, after all I did two years, blood, sweat and tears for them. Yeah. But You know, so it was uh, definitely tough, but you just have to stay mentally tough and just know, like, there's a light at the end of the tunnel somewhere. Yeah, and you're gonna get something out of this tough time.
0: Yeah, and again, like, I mean, it's your life. Yeah, people people might be upset with the decisions that you make, but like, Mm -hmm. it's not their life. You you should not just follow what other people say. For sure, this is so relatable to me because when Mm -hmm. I left Minnesota State, I went in. I told the coaches they were super upset about it. They did they did not agree. And they're like, all right, return everything you gave us and yeah. you're still in the locker room. And I got there and they threw everything out. My mm-hmm. ankle braces, my own yeah, shoes, yeah. all this stuff, just gone. Yeah. And I remember I was like, that is proof to me that I was at the wrong place. Like yeah. if they cared so little, like I can understand them being upset. But like, I mean, I'm not going to hate on the, the last company I worked at. But when I left, I didn't, I had four managers. I had all these other people I worked with only the manager I talked to was the only person that knew that I was leaving. Nobody else talked to me. Nobody reached out. Nobody right yeah. now has reached out ever. Nobody has liked a single post I put out. Like, yeah. and to me, I mean, that's validation because like, exactly. if you care about a person and wanting to see them succeed, yeah. whether it's right where you're at or somewhere else, like you want them to be at the right place. Everybody works better when they're at the right place versus, you know, sticking out and not being, yeah. being in that right spot. And so I'm glad you made that decision because yeah, it would have been really secret, easy yeah. to, to stick there for four years because you were upset about letting other people down. And then you'll look back and say, like, why the heck did I do that? Yeah,
1: people get like, you know, like you did, like what you do That was uncomfortable. But people, I think, get comfortable and they get in their job, they get in a routine. And it's just easy for them and they just stick with it. But even if it's not making them happy, it's like they don't want to take the risk to it's easier. Yeah, it's yeah. easier. Like for example, my 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 dad's an old school guy. I love him to death, but he's old school. He's like, you should just stick it out. And but no one knows what you're going through. Like you're the guy doing it. You're the you are the guy at your school and you're the guy in your job. So you have to make your own decisions. And like when you make those decisions, you live with them. Good or bad, you just gotta you gotta keep moving.
0: But you'd rather make the decision for yourself and be wrong. 100%, than percent i rather listen be wrong. to what everybody else said 1000%. and then- then be wrong. You know? A thousand
1: percent. Like, Easier to
0: feel bad. I had
1: multiple family members telling me not to leave. And I was like, I'm leaving. Like you guys can join the bandwagon or not, but like, I'm not staying at the school. You know what I mean? So you mm-hmm. got to make your own
0: decisions. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm glad you did. Cause yeah. that's how we got to meet. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. um, so now the experience at Butler, yeah. what, how was that different?
1: I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, when I, so when I decided to transfer, go to Butler, I was going to look at Northeastern Hofstra and Butler and, um, Butler came in like the latest. I was definitely a backup option for someone fell through, to be honest. Who cares? Yeah. (laughs) Someone fell through. Yeah. Coach Holman, I get this number from 317 number, and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, who's Indiana? I'd never even been to Indiana. Yeah. He's like, hey, it's Chris Holman from Butler. I'm like, you got the wrong number? (laughs) So I went out for a visit and uh, I. The week before that, I was at Northeastern and I was gonna commit to Northeastern like the day after I left Butler. Yeah. Because I was locked into play there. Like it was like, you're gonna play 30 minutes, no problems, no questions Butler. Like you never know because there's such good players. And that's a good thing, of course. But for mm-hmm. me who didn't play as much as I wanted to, I wanted to play. Yeah. So I was nervous about making that decision and I was gonna go to Northeastern. I get a phone call from the Northeastern coach saying that they got nervous I was gonna go to Butler. They take another guy. And at that point, I'm like, all right, let's go. We're going to Butler. We're living it out now. Yeah. Like Big East. I grew up watching the Big East. You know, this is what I dreamed of playing in. And so we went to Butler. And I'll honestly say it's been one of probably the best decisions of my life. I now live in Indianapolis. I love it here. I have friends. Um, I'm lucky to meet guys like you. Like, it's just a great community. And Butler's giving me so much more than basketball. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm really grateful that Northeastern coach, gave that spot to somebody else because now I'm here
0: yeah and Butler Butler is really different like as a transfer coming into Butler like I absolutely loved my experience as a Butler student but like knowing the athletes like you guys like it is different like you you see all these other schools and it's like oh they probably like they don't go to class to do because they probably don't go to class North Carolina I I don't really know to be honest but like at (laughs) Butler like it's different like people were at the national like the the, Butler you had to go to class on the day of the national championship back then like it's (laughs) It's so different, but that had to be like good for you. Yeah.
1: You know, for me, like I'm a a lot of basketball players or a lot of athletes who think they're great. They try to put themselves on some different pedestal. Like me, I came from a normal family, a normal background. So like, I like to hang out with everyone, no matter mm-hmm. who it is. And that's how I always have been as a person. Like I'll talk to you, whoever you are. And I think that's a little bit of a New Yorker in me too. I grew up with so many different people mm-hmm. so at Butler it was really cool because all the students treated like the basketball players like the same i didn't get any in school and never in any classes teachers looked at me any differently and sometimes it can go worse because sometimes they think basketball players won't do the work and they'll be lazy and they'll give you like problems like that so it's been no it was uh butler has been great and everyone's really really friendly there it's been really good mm-hmm. it was good yeah, yeah.
0: No, I think, I think you're right. People, and, and not in a bad way where they don't treat you like you're special, but yeah. like in a way that they like, aren't scared to talk to you. And they're like, totally fine being friends. And it's just cool that like everybody in Butler's, it's just a community, like, like de- definitely a different feel.
1: Like the, probably the most fun I had in college was that year I met you, Flynn, uh, Brent, Clay, like mm-hmm. all you guys like that weren't a part of the athletics. Mm-hmm because then I was branching out to like the other side of Butler. Yeah. And it was so fun because I had the athletic side and I had all the guys and girls, frats, sororities and clubs. And it was just like such a cool dynamic, but that's what makes Butler. I think so much, so much
0: fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then what was it like right when you finished with Butler trying to figure out how, where you were going to play? Like, did you a hundred percent know, like I I'm, I'm giving this a shot. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think about like, Oh, maybe I don't keep playing, well, I
1: know I, I always wanted to keep on. I came off a good senior year. So I was like, I'm going to have opportunities to play. Um, I had that workout with the Pacers, which was helpful. And then I signed an agent, uh, from New York who honestly was a, that was a bad career move because I don't have hmm. him anymore. So he was my initial agent and, um, it just didn't work out. Like, I don't think he had the right opportunities for me. I don't think he marketed me as well so, as other agents should have.
0: For sure. So, I mean, I think that's a great point because yeah. again, translatable, like it could be the same thing as hiring somebody to your business yeah. or hiring somebody to help do work for you. Like mm-hmm. what, what do you think that you learned from that? Like what, what could you have done better to maybe not let that happen? Well,
1: it's funny because I, I thought I did my research. I thought mm-hmm. I asked people, um, you know, how is this guy? in? whatnot but i think i had a more biased views because the guys i've asked were working with him right yeah and those were higher up guys like they have established in europe already. so of course he's going to fight the agent it's a
0: higher contract higher higher pay. money high commission yeah
1: i'm coming into my first year in europe my contract won't be as high right yeah. so you need i needed someone to like grind for me right and i don't think he was the guy so now with the agents i have now i know like they're working for me no matter where Or what? And I respect that because like all my life, I've been a grinder. I want someone who's going to do the same. Mm -hmm. That's so, it's tricky though, because you don't know. At first, you don't know. Like you said, or in your situation, or people working? Like sometimes you just don't know. You got to take a leap of faith and then just learn from it if you make a mistake like I did.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. There's not always things that you can avoid. Sometimes there's just bad things that are going to happen. And you you moved on and you found the right agent. It's not like you stuck in that for a lot of years i mean that was probably a really short-lived one year and done and you realized yeah one and
1: done and then i gotta have two new guys now and I'm, listen i'm hoping they can find me a job quick because the market's also really tough right now too yeah but yeah one year and done you make that choice and that i think transferring also made it easier and i wasn't afraid to make the the change mm-hmm. easier like you know so so yeah
0: yeah and um I mean, honestly, that those are all just really good points. Yeah. So then, you know, we, we're going overseas now. We talked about the kind of the grind of overseas, mm-hmm. but the the thing that we haven't talked about that many people don't realize is like, it's really hard to get hired as a basketball player to play overseas because they're limited. So they for most leagues sure. only can have two American players per team. Right.
1: Absolutely. So that's a really great point. People don't realize how hard it is to get like, so in Spain, for example, every team's only allowed two Americans. So think about every other college basketball player wanting to go play overseas and that can't go to the NBA, which is the majority of the people. Yeah. You only allowed two Americans per team in Spain um, and a majority of other countries, every country varies, but like places that I want to go, Spain and Italy. And so you have to have like local guys. So for example, Spanish, right? I use Spain because I played there. It has to be five guys who were born in Spain, right? On the team. On the team, Okay. two Americans. And then you could have guys from like Lithuania, Denmark and what Europeans. Yeah. So it's super difficult to get jobs right now as an American player.
0: It's kind of weird that that's a rule because y- yeah, you know you know as an American yeah, yeah, yeah that the reason why they do that is because they know it at the like 90% of the players would become American For sure. because like I had, so my high school, we had assistant coach who he was actually like unbelievable in high school. He was number one in the country at one point yeah. was ranked over Derrick Rose oh, wow. Went. he had offers Indiana, yeah. all these schools went to UIC, got in trouble, blah, blah, but he went and played overseas in Dubai. And he, he told us that like my sophomore year of high school, that me and another kid on our team would be two of the best players in their entire league. Yeah. And he's wow. like, it's just different because like yeah. they're, I mean, basketball is different. there. like the Americans, the, like the love of basketball is so different. It's, different yeah. it's it's one, it's one of our main sports soccer over there is kind of where they feed a lot. For of their sure. Athletes For too. sure.
1: That's a really good point. So countries like Dubai and um, Qatar, like some middle Eastern country, then you have in the Eastern Europe, Slovakia, Slovenia, uh, Serbia, those leagues, some of them are a little underdeveloped, right? Mm-hmm. So for sure, the Americans will go over there and you know most of the time be the best guy. Leagues like let's see, Germany. Um, there's some good Russian teams. Spain. Isn't
0: there some China leagues? Some that are good, really good, yeah, some yeah. good
1: Chinese. And now those guys in those countries, I think they realize that basketball can make them a lot of money. So yeah, the, the level of play has gotten really good. Like look at look at the uh, European pros now in the NBA, Luka Doncic and. Jokic and Giannis so yeah the the level of play is getting better it was lower before but now I think they're seeing more of an opportunity so Mm -hmm. I think it is better now but yeah yeah like you said
0: well it's and and not even in a way that like the basketball level isn't good I just mean in the way that like Americans honestly are really good at basketball like college basketball is great there's so many players that even the division three like there are great division three players that don't really get the opportunity to play Mm -hmm. overseas Mm because they don't because of the rules but like the basketball over there is still great. Those yeah, guys that no, are no. making that top league in Perfect Germany, time. like I've yeah, watched yeah. one of my buddies was in the second, to top league over there and the basketball was amazing. Yeah, like it, was it was as competitive as a lot of the, as yeah, college really yeah, was. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So it's, it's different everywhere. Like I said, like second league Spain, which is, Behind the ACB, which has Real Madrid, Barcelona, and
0: those guys are getting paid like, five, 10 million a year, or whatever. Those dudes right? I are a
1: lot of money. Yeah. So my goal was to kill and Leb Golds, which is my league, and then go right to the ACB, right? Yeah. Which was a good plan, but obviously it was it didn't work. I only averaged eight points, two assists. Not bad for my first year, but like it takes time. It takes time, and the Spanish coaches look at American rookies as like you're super young, so you don't know what we're doing here, and we do. We have good schooling in America. Like I played at a good school, but still everything's a little different there. So it takes time. And like that was the adjustment for me last year. Not like right away, just being like, I wanted to be the guy right away.
0: How's basketball different there than here? It's different
1: in the fact that um, I think our games, at least in Spain were a little more balanced scoring wise. So mm-hmm. we would have guys at 14 10, nine, eight, not like over here, we have a guy have like 35 and then one guy has like 10, eight mm-hmm. really balanced scoring. Um, almost every play is pick and roll, mm-hmm. which was nice. And then we're really up and down transition, but not as much isolation. Okay. So not as much isolation basketball. They don't like when I had the ball for more than three seconds. I heard my guy yell, Yo, "Move it, move it!" So like that was a huge thing.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. So that okay. So those are not not too different. No, though. no, no,
1: not like significantly different. I mean, from college, it was more physical. Yeah. Like you you're playing thirty-five year old men, and yeah. they're just like really, really strong. You don't even know how because they don't look like they're strong, but they had that girl man strength. So that was a big uh, adjustment as well.
0: So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So last I, I always have these five questions to end with but i'm gonna I have yeah. one question before that yeah. for from your experience all the basketball memories you have what's the coolest one
1: <laughs> great great question i don't know because i have maybe two like i think the first one would be when i, I had this video when i was in new york city playing um on 145th atlantics and it was like they used to call me the prince harry of harlem in that video really yeah and then um
0: that the was like area of Harlem. You ever seen
1: that before? Uh uh-uh. I'll show you. We'll have to watch it. So that was, link to it. For yeah. People yeah. So, so that was like my introduction to New York City street basketball. No one knew me before that. And then I got down there. I had a really good game. And then so that was like electric, where everyone was on, like in New York City, like I'm here and the, and the stands are like right here. Yeah. So like the fence is like this close. And you know, New York City, they're, they're yelling at you, chomping at you. So that was a great memory. And then probably one of my games against like Villanova or something that, like butler, where I just had a, unbelievable time, but, um, I would say those two. Okay. Yeah.
0: Cool. Um, so five questions we asked some of them, I I know you're a little bit younger, so some of them, you know, maybe they're not as many financial mistakes or whatever, but we'll get to it. So as you look back on your journey, is there anything that you would change knowing what you know now?
1: that's a tough one for for sure. I think, um, one, like I said, I wouldn't hire that agent. Okay. Okay? So, but that's a tough decision because you don't know at the time, really you're new to the, the professional world. So that would be one I would change. Be Plus, easy. I think that
0: one's hard too, because like you saw who he was working yeah, with. Yeah, and yeah. so you're like, man, I want the agent that works with those people. 100%. But sometimes, I mean, this is translatable to like people wanting to work with attorneys or financial advisors. Like sometimes you might see this person that works with, multi-billionaires and you're like, oh, I'd love to work with them. But like, you got to realize that you're, maybe you're not at that level. Oh, yeah. And so finding somebody that maybe is newer, that's like, I'm going to grind for you and help you get there. Cause it's going to make me look better. 100%. Sometimes that can be helpful. That's an awesome point. I mean, like
1: you need, you need people to fight for you mm-hmm. to be successful. I feel like in anything you do, you're going to need people to help you, right? You can't do it alone. Whether you're starting a business, your financial advisor, you're a basketball, player. There's going to be people who need to help you along the way So you just got to surround yourself with a good core of people and to do the best you can to pick the right people.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good point. And I think the other side of that too, is like you also got to be willing to always fight for yourself because you are gonna have people that fight for you, but you start to realize that sometimes people give up on themselves. And if you're not believing yourself, I don't know how you can really expect anybody else to.
1: That's yes, because this whole thing. So I've been playing basketball now for my my whole life. And now this is the first time in seven months. I don't have a team. I don't have a camaraderie of a team. And so a lot of guys would, maybe hang it up and not want to keep doing it but me like I'm a hustler Mm -hmm. so I'm finding I'm looking on almost every day I'm on Eurobasket which is like the European website I'm looking at guys who got cut where teams need entries or where opportunities are and I'm hitting I'm talking to my agents so much where they probably want to kill me at this point (laughs) but I am all over them yeah because I am like I'm gonna get this one way or the other and you won't stop me so I'm and it's they're probably ready to like I said shoot me but it's okay I'm gonna keep going so okay. no yeah. that's
0: that's awesome you gotta
1: keep you gotta grind whatever you want to do you just gotta go for it yeah, yeah especially
0: for the when it's your dream you for know for sure
1: And yeah if it's your dream you gotta fight your dream right you have to fight it so
0: you don't want to look back in a couple of years and say like hey when COVID hit you know my option was either grind work hard hit up every team I possibly could yeah. or play video games and try to fill up my time and, yeah 100%. and then be like well I Why? didn't get to play as long So, all right, next question. So I always like to ask people about, you know, things that help them function at their best. Okay. Um, So obviously as an athlete, it's different, but like, I like to know for some people it's, you know, we're lifting heavy for some people. It's like, you know, maybe I don't eat any meat or meditation, whatever it is. What what do you think is big for you to keep you like running well and feeling good? And it doesn't always have to be like nutrition. It could just be like relationships, whatever. Hmm. For
1: me, I've always noticed, and I'll, I'll I'll do uh, something with basketball and something with like just my normal everyday life type mm-hmm. thing. So for basketball, I've my biggest things to make me feeling to make me feel good and keep me running smoothly is I have to stretch every day hmm. because I'm just a naturally very tight guy. I have mm-hmm. tight hips, I have tight ankles, so I try to stretch my hips and ankles and loosen up. So I do a lot of yoga. So that's been. I my... saw you at Hot Yoga. You're yeah, yeah that. so that's been, yeah. You should come. So that's been my thing for basketball. And as far as Um, really like in life and every day, I would say I, I do like to have good sleep. Yeah. Like when I get a nice eight hours or nine hours of sleep, I do feel significantly better the next day. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, you work out a lot and if you work out, like there's something about that feeling Mm -hmm. that makes you feel better. Yeah. Right. And so when you work out, you want to eat healthy. For example, if I wake up in the morning, I'm like, I don't want to do this 10 AM lift or 12. I'm gonna go probably Chick fil A. I'm gonna get like a spicy sandwich, and my yeah. day's gonna be a little down. Yeah. So I think it's important too to start your day with a workout. Yeah. And get your blood flowing early. And I think that gives you energy throughout the day. So that thing, good sleep, a good workout in the morning, a lot of
0: stretching. Yeah. I think sleep is a big one. I think yeah. as an athlete and I mean, me being somebody that works out a ton, like yeah. you start to learn your body. So you figure out like based on how you eat or based on how you lift or based on you sleep, like you function differently. Mm-hmm. And when you start to like actually listen to your body and try to get yourself to function at your best, you make a big, it makes a big difference. And the better. one thing I would add for you that, that you didn't mention that helps you function your best is knowing you, I think being around people helps you function at your best. Like like you sure. feed so much off people and people's energy and you're just That's a fun it. guy to be around that Thank like, you. I think you, I, I could see why potentially being overseas would be a hard thing. I, I think it is for everybody, yeah. Yeah. but I could see why like not having that circle yeah. around could be a hard thing to also push through.
1: Yeah, no, great point. I mean, like I, I'm a, I like to be around people. I like to learn what people did, what they're about and just like overall have a good time. So like you said, overseas, it does get lonely because you only have your guys on the team and most of those guys speak different languages. They Mm -hmm. have, they have kids, they have wives. So it's like different for a 23 year old kid going over there. So I was, I ended up like going to local pizza shops and restaurants and I was getting friendly with all the workers and stuff like that. So that's a good point. I think being around good people gives you good energy and good positive vibes. Um, so that's been something I think really important. So basically to
0: sum that up, like building a community, wherever you're at is big for you.
1: Listen, if you work in India, you work in New York, like you know you can join a men's basketball league or you can join some sort of club get some sort of friends there mm-hmm. get some sort of people community you can rely on talk to i think that's always really beneficial
0: yeah um next question so um knowing what you know now what was the one thing that you would tell yourself maybe for you this i usually said 22 but let's make this like coming out of high school like yeah. knowing what you know now what would you tell yourself when you're 18 that would make the biggest impact on you
1: well this is going to go right up your alley and it's gonna be financial <laughs> okay, okay. You have no idea about saving your money and about planning anything when you're 18 and you're in college. So when we were at school, we used to get money for um financial aid, like scholarship money. So we would get money for your house, per diem per
0: diems, and, per diems and, stuff. and stuff.
1: Like I used to get the per diem. I used to blow the per diem every month. Yeah. I was like, there will be nothing left this month. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? And looking back, that's something I would have tried to at least keep in mind. Like now. I'm more interested in the stock market because when you're making money you you, you think about other ways to make money right mm-hmm. so i had no idea about that stuff so i'd be like of course everyone would be like go invest in you know amazon facebook or some, some yeah. good company but just to be more financially uh aware but it's yeah. also hard because no classes in school yep. teach you anything i'm learning geometry and about ancient chinese history but maybe i could learn about like taxes or like some sort of thing mm-hmm. so Stuff like that, I wish I learned more. Um, but like you said, no 18-year-old kid really knows. But that's yeah. what I was really tell myself. To yeah,
0: honest. and people really aren't expected to know about it. Like, that's what yeah. one of our – a guy on the podcast a couple episodes ago, he's starting this uh, not-for-profit that's bringing free financial education to all Americans. Oh, wow. Um, because he grew up in a family that was financially literate. He was the first high school graduate. And he's like, this is a problem. And if you – finances – right now in America, it's all rooted in people don't know anything. So like you and all these guys, people that maybe didn't ever took a class about it, I sure as heck didn't even Mm -hmm. as a business student. But then you get to the point, you're like, oh, you know, everybody's like, hey, start a Roth IRA or go invest in Amazon. You're like, well, there's like a million steps of things (laughs) I have to learn before I figure out where, how to invest in Amazon. So I think that's a, a good thing. I remember you telling me two years ago, we were over at your house and you were like, the biggest piece of advice I've gotten from older basketball players is get a financial advisor and work with somebody because, I mean, you see all these HBO documentaries about athletes and it's like 98% of NFL players are bankrupt within two years of being done. And And this is translatable to people in sales or like anybody that has a good job is like, you don't know how long that's going to last. You have no idea how long you'll make that kind of income. And so you can either one, live the lifestyle that has that income and go party and travel and do all those things. Or you can figure out how to do those same things modestly and save money. So that way in the future, you're not like, now I lost all this money. I have no money for lifestyle. I have nothing to save for. What do I do?
1: That's a good point. I mean, it's also tricky because a lot of these guys, like for me and other people, we had good educations. I went to a private high school. I went to a private university, two private universities, mm-hmm. you know, so, but I was a communications major and I never, we never learned about that stuff. So like a lot of these guys who go bankrupt and like, it's really unfortunate and there are, they're decently smart individuals. Like, you know what I mean? They can function in a lot of different areas, but that area is, I think, not, enough like in schools and mm-hmm. like you said so that was pretty cool about your friend to do that but you're right it's it's uh it's pretty sad to hear that though.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. um what would you say you next one's what's your yeah. biggest money mistake would you kind of just say that same thing mm. yeah i would say that would be one uh money mistake i didn't
1: get i didn't buy i didn't buy a car i didn't do anything like that um I haven't made too many bad purchases yet. Still young, just yeah. Still I'm still, out still of young, and maybe if I make a lot more money, I'll make some bad decisions, which be you know which I mean? you'll learn from. Yeah, which I learned from, but I haven't. To be honest, no, I have. I haven't really made. Yeah, yet anything. I hope it's not do
0: that. So it, it's funny because we're talking about finance a little bit and stocks. But I, when we were over at your house, I remember your grandpa would just my grandpa. He, oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He would yeah, just yeah, sit yeah, there yeah. and he would just watch yeah, all day so. the stocks on TV. And yeah, that's funny. he's man. hilarious. So,
1: so like my grandfather, he just was a huge stock guy, and all we talked about was money and like basketball. He really had no idea. Like he didn't understand. Like Paul, you're gonna do this for a living. Like you gotta like come on. Like we gotta get you. So he was the one who introduced me. I learned everything mostly from him, mm-hmm. and um. So that growing up, we used to watch the numbers all day to look at the numbers, just go up and down. And that's how I kind of, you know, kind of learned a little bit. Yeah.
0: I guess while we're on this, just because I think it'd be cool. Like, I know that you lost your grandpa recently, right? Yeah. So yeah. obviously, I'm sorry that no, that's tough. But like, no thinking about him, you know, what was the biggest impact he had on your life? Just kind of in memory of him for right now? Yeah,
1: well, appreciate that, man. I mean, for sure. Uh, the biggest thing I think he would always tell me would be once you make a decision, it's you got to go with it. Right, like so. Once you do something, you can't look back, and you never have time to feel sorry for yourself. And I think in life, that's a huge thing for everyone. Because listen, if you're there's so many things like you're out of shape, right? You're uh, you're, you're you're down in the dumps. But like if you're feeling bad for yourself, I got bad news. No one else is really feeling bad for you. Like mm-hmm. your friends will they'll condone? Oh,
0: sorry. It. Yeah,
1: but like you know what? Though a second later, they're gonna be like, "Where are we going to eat?" Whatever. Yeah. So it's really you. And like my mom, and I. I mean, she's going to watch it for sure. But like she had a, uh, she, she already lost 15 pounds. She's doing great. Right. Awesome. But, but for like two years, she was feeling sorry for herself. And I get it. She worked super hard in her job. But at one point she woke up and I gave her all the credit in the world. She said, I'm done. Like I have to lose weight. It's mm-hmm. my mind. I have to make a change. And she did. And now she's seeing results. And I think everyone, no matter what you do, if you put your mind to it, good things can happen.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. So, you know, you know your example, Hey, you know, I'm overweight. I want to lose weight. I know it's not as simple as like, Oh, cool. I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna get it done. But there are steps that you can take. So you, instead of going down the path of like, but that'll be hard. And you know, maybe i don't have the time, or maybe I'm gonna have to get up early. If you just say whatever, like, those are parts of it. But like, I would rather do that than be overweight. So if that's, if that's your viewpoint, then what are the steps I can take? Can I hire a trainer to at least get me started and do three days a week? Can I try starting, you know, switching out pasta for rice? Like, what are the like, small steps you can make? What Mm -hmm. people try to do is they say, here's my goal, and for this exact one, they say, okay, now I'm gonna work out five days a week. I'm gonna eat healthy. I'm gonna fast. I'm gonna have no ice yeah. cream. And you're like, you can't go from the farthest yeah, point over to there. You gotta take steps. <laughs> and, sure. and then you get used to that. You go to the next step, you, get yep. used to that and you go to go next step. And then now you create a lifestyle exactly. around the things that you wanted.
1: And you can sustain that lifestyle. You know, sometimes people wanna make these, you know, huge dramatic decisions, which can be good sometimes, right? Yeah. You know, if you need that change, and like, that's a good thing to take a leap of faith, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're thinking about a goal like losing weight or learning a language, I'm trying to learn yeah. like, I can't learn Spanish in one like one day or two days. Mm-hmm. It has to be a consistent practice over amount of time. And right? it's the same
0: thing for basketball, like now you might be able to get in and get 750 makes in a day. But yeah. when you first committed to this your freshman year of high school, it might have been, you know, I'm gonna make 250 a day. Exactly. And be, if you would have started at 750, you might have been like, man, I don't have three hours a day every day after yes, high school exactly. and practice and all that. That's a, another strong point. Yeah. So last one, um, what would you say is the That's best cool. financial decision you made? Actually, you can even just say like the best decision you've made. Because I think for you early on in your earning career, like maybe the best decision was just like transferring to Bellar. Maybe that's the best decision you made in your life. Maybe the best decision you made in your life was blah blah blah.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I could I could give you the best. The best financial thing, I give you both. The best financial thing I did was last year in Spain, the money I did make, I saved um 50% of my paycheck every month. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I put that right into my like you know account whatever and I tried to like just basically save it and make a little bit of uh return yeah. a little bit of return on it. And that was good because this summer mm-hmm. now that I hadn't been able to play and haven't been on a contract like I needed to bring that money out a little bit and use yeah. it whatever.
0: that's so, what it's for. Though. Yeah, that's
1: what it's for. So I'm happy I did that and made a good decision instead of like partying every weekend or
0: and then now you're just racking up a credit card because Exactly.
1: So I have no debt which is great. Um but then for a life decision I think
0: well, you think can I have one thing to what you just said? Yeah. So yeah. with what you just said, the thing that you're doing that many people don't notice is that you're creating a habit. So you're creating the idea of like in your head, my thought is I have to save half my paycheck. And because you did that now, as life goes on, your next job, you're going to try to do that. And your next job, you're going to try to do that. I mean, it might always be realistic, you might have to scale back, but like, it's going to be kind of hard to you to be like, I'm only going to save 25% because I've been used to 50. Yeah. But yeah. if you started at zero and then now you're like, oh, maybe now I can save 10 you're gonna fall back to the old habit. Mm. So if your old habits are good, you're gonna fall back to a good habit. So I'm happy that wow. you got that early. I hope
1: I keep that. I hope I keep that habit. For sure. But uh, but so yeah, that was good. And then I guess um, as a life decision, just really believing in yourself. Like I just believe you have to believe in yourself, and you cannot be afraid to fail because everyone fails. And I think people and I do this still. Like you're embarrassed to something if you fail or. You know, what are they going to think of me? And that's, you have to just free yourself from outside like opinions. And like, that's when you'll one become really happy. And two, once you start truly believing yourself, is when good things will happen. And that's what I've done in my life. And I'm going to keep doing that, whether it's basketball or I can switch careers after, but I'm always going to believe in myself. And that's never going to change. Yeah.
0: I, yeah. Th- I mean, that, I think that's really powerful. All yeah. those points. Um, well, thanks for joining me today, man. I thought yeah. it was honestly an awesome conversation. Great, man. Absolutely. Where are the best places for people to follow you? Uh, you can
1: follow me on Instagram, which is PaulieJ5. Uh, Twitter is PaulieJorgs and instagram i think those are the two okay perfect and
0: then um just one last thing yeah and this off season are you training anybody is there any way people could try to like hire you as a trainer if they saw from this or yeah
1: just we'll just uh message me on instagram or uh message me on instagram or twitter and then we'll see of course covid is difficult and stuff yeah any questions you guys have for me my journey or anything at all just shout me out and i'll answer
0: perfect well thanks man it was awesome